98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to the claw. On this Wednesday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. We are live from the Auction Community Studios. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? Oh my God, you're especially loud today in my headphones. Man, I'm going to turn <laughs> that down. Whoa, goodness gracious. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm working from home today, so it could be that connection. So goodness you are in the uh, station, I am at home. It's fine. You were there. I am here. We are both, I would imagine, watching the final Diamondbacks game of the season. Let's as, go. Uh, Merrill Kelly just completed his third inning of Let's work. Go. He needs two more innings, two and two-thirds more innings make it to three. get to 200. Yeah, let's just make it, just round let's up it and three. just make it, it three. Yeah, so uh, far so good. I think, I think I looked at the pitch count a minute ago. Pitch count's not bad. He's fine. Yeah, I, I, he looks... It, I don't want to say anything in case anybody believes in the jinx. I don't, but I don't want to say anything that could be misconstrued as a jinx. So I don't want to say anything just yet. But so far, so good when it comes to Merrill Kelly's goal yeah, to get to 248 pitches through three. So, you know, if he could keep that, you know, if he goes 50 more, that gets him to six. He, he's on he's on target now. He's on, he's on target. target. He's on target. Right. And that's, that's all we'll say because, you know, I wouldn't want anybody holding us responsible for Merrill Kelly not getting to 200 innings, even though it wouldn't be our fault. No, it'd be all. Lovello's fault by taking him out. <laughs> Got to blame somebody. I blame Lovello. <laughs> if he doesn't get like, I'm going to take you out with you only need two more outs, but you know what? Your pitch counts at 105. I got to take you out. Come on. Yeah, well, you, you do you like the blaming, whole season. You like blaming Troy for an awful lot of stuff. So there, there is that too. But yeah, it would probably be his fault. Yeah, I just I, I believe in blame. I don't know who I'm going to blame for Andy Isabella not getting claimed. Nobody claimed Andy Isabella. Nobody at all. Let's Nobody. Weigh, let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Uh. <laughs> Burns and Gambo, the weigh in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. The story Lovello, laugh not laugh, will live in infamy. I mean, it really will. We'll, we'll have that one forever, won't we, Mitch? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That right there. The laugh not laugh from Tori Lovello. Um, let's talk about the news real quick, Gambo, okay. from the Cardinals, and then we'll get into some of the other stuff that we were going to talk about because there was a little bit of news today. First and foremost, yes, Ian Rappaport tweeted out moments ago that wide receiver Andy Isabella has cleared waivers. He is now a free agent. I would uh, imagine at some some point in fairly rapid fire fashion here he will be signed to somebody's practice squad i would think somebody would take a look at him i can't imagine this is it for andy isabella i don't know how quickly that'll happen but i think he'll end up somewhere I think that it's probably a money thing, right? I mean, second round pick money compared to veterans minimum veteran minimum money is a big difference. I mean, you're talking about a you know probably over the course of a season four to five hundred thousand dollars difference, right? I mean, being a second round pick, his his money is different than being a you know a veteran free agent that gets you know the minimum. So I think that's that's what it could be. I mean, his contract. I'm just trying to see if I could you know find out what his contract contract is this year but again i think it's so he's at uh I don't know what the number would be. Two, oh, $915,000, somewhere around there? Or? 
Let's see. I'm pulling it up right now myself. Contract details. Uh, Andy Isabella, let's see, uh, is playing this year. He's got a cap hit of $497 million. Look like a base salary of $250 million. $497 million? Oh, my God. $597,000. Pardon me. That's That would be a very overpaid. That would be a really, really, really bad contract for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, yeah, he's not making a lot of money as a former second-round yeah. pick. He's not, not oh, a lot at all. Yeah, I thought he would get claimed. I thought somebody that may have I, liked him in the draft or liked him. And uh, but again, nobody picks him up. Nobody picks him up. So he's he's a he's a free agent. Sign with probably like you said, get signed to somebody's practice. Yeah, squad. nobody claimed him. I, I still think I would even be surprised if by the end of today and certainly by tomorrow, Andy Isabella has a home in the NFL somewhere that he goes somewhere. And we'll hear from Cliff coming up in a little bit who addressed the Andy Isabella situation. While we're on the topic of news, here's the latest news from the Cardinals as they get ready for the Eagles on Sunday. Matt Prater, it is official, is out. Uh, he, he'll be out. Yeah, he'll be out this week. So Matt Amendola is your kicker this week. Uh, I saw Jay Feely, who's going to join us later, offered his services to Steve Kime apparently <laughs> for the next three games. Um, but he uh, he is out, and here's Cliff on Matt Amendola. Yeah, he kicked well today. Um, you know, he, he's in the NFL for a reason and has had some some uh, success kicking at, at certain spots and, and uh, looked really sharp today. Okay, there you go. So change of kicker and uh, something you mentioned yesterday since we're on the topic of news. A.J. Green is day-to-day, but Cliff was kind of leaning towards the idea that he would play. Yeah, I mean, he's day-to-day. He, he got out there today and was moving around, and we'll see how he feels at the end of the week, but it'd be nice to have all those those bodies be able to keep some guys fresh and, and maybe not have to play uh, guys as many snaps as we've had to the last few games. You anticipate he's going to play, right? Yeah, I anticipate that him and Wesley will play, which is why uh, they let go of Andy Isabella. That's what I'm anticipating that those guys will... Uh, We'll be able to play. Now, nothing set in concrete, but that's just what I've heard. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on that. And, of course, the injury report came out for the Cardinals, and, and very typical today on a Wednesday, a whole bunch of guys not practicing. A couple of them are rest guys, but a lot of them had some sort of ailment that they're dealing with. Um, again, you'll hear from Cliff on that coming up in a little bit. This is your classic coming up this Sunday. Your classic something's got to give game when it comes to these two teams. Cardinals haven't won at home in what feels like forever. The Eagles have not won in this building. Building in what feels like forever. And it's one of those games where somebody is changing a narrative. Now, I, I think for us, we care more about the Cardinals and their inability to win in their own building again, but we're almost working on a full calendar year since they've won there. But the Eagles, and it's not like they've played here a lot, the Eagles haven't had a lot of success in this building either. No, they're not. The Cardinals beat him in the NFC Championship game that year. They went to the Super Bowl. Um, that was in 2008. Um, that was the first time that they played in that new stadium that opened in 2006. But then the Cardinals, you know, played him again three more times. They they played him in 2012 and they won. They played him in 2014 and they won. They played him in 2020 and they won. So the Eagles have not beaten the Cardinals in Arizona. You got to go back to the year the Diamondbacks won the World Series, 2001. Jeez. That 2001, the last time the Eagles beat the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. So it is a, yeah, so something's got to give. Either the Eagles are going to end this long stretch of not winning here, or the Cardinals are going to win a home game for the first time in like a year. Yeah, I remember that 2020 game pretty well. Jalen Hurts versus Kyler Murray, and it was just kind of a, it was a crazy back and forth kind of game where it just felt felt like it was it was wild and almost out of control. As towards the end of the season, I remember as the Cardinals were still, if I remember right, mathematically alive for a playoff spot. Uh, of course, we're we're more concerned about winning here, and I, I get for the Eagles, it's been a while, 
but they don't come here very often. The Arizona Cardinals, you know, they they don't win this one. Then you're literally talking about one more opportunity for them to win at home, and then it will have become a full calendar year since they won here. Now I know this is the not the opponent you would want to end that streak against, but I got to imagine the level of frustration around the organization. And we talked to Steve Kime about this on Friday. The level of frustration around the organization to go nearly a full year without winning in your own building is pronounced and is frustrating. And they lose again on Sunday, albeit to a really good team. Those questions are going to persist for another week and a half and continue to kind of hang over this organization. And nobody wants that. Yeah. What's the what? Do you, what was, is Seattle the next home game? Seattle. No. Seattle is on the road. Seattle's on the road. And then they're home against New Orleans on Thursday. That's right. The Thursday night the, game. Yeah. They New lose Orleans. against okay. New Orleans. It will have been one full calendar year in between home wins. I mean, one yeah. uh, three hundred and sixty five full days since they've won a game in their own building. You got to avoid that somehow. Well, you have to. And this isn't. You know, this is a lot of people think that this is the best team in the league right now. I mean, it started out four and zero. Granted, they, you know, they haven't played the best of schedules. But I think I saw somebody point out. Look, they're playing teams. You look at the, the teams that they're playing. These teams are in second place in their division. They're, they're pretty decent. But you know, all the the, the metrics, all the numbers. Just show how good the Eagles are. They run the ball really well. Hertz has been fantastic. Their defense has been great. They they they've won all the awards. I mean, every single week they're getting an award. Player of the week on special teams, on defense, on offense. Every week they're getting awards. So three straight weeks with the defensive player of the week. I think it is. I believe. Yeah, you sent that yeah, in your first, email today. It's, first it's, team in twenty two years to do that. So have a player. Defensive Player of the Week, yeah, two defensive three weeks in a row. First team in twenty two years to do that. Hassan Reddick, of course, was the one who got it this past week with his two forced fumbles and his two sacks. And it was um, Jalen Hurts, one Offensive Player of the Week. Brandon Graham has won it. Darius Slay has won it. Yeah, they've been. They, they, oh, Jalen Hurts won Player of the Month. I'm sorry, he won NFC Offensive Player of the Month in September. But the last three weeks, it was Hassan Reddick, it was Brandon Graham, it was Darius Slay. Back to back to back weeks of the defensive player of the week. This is yeah. This is look, this is a good football team and how good is debatable how good they'll be at the end of the season. I think there are parallels to be drawn between this year's Eagles and last year's Cardinals and we know how it ended for last year's Cardinals. They are off to the kind of start that makes them look like I mean hell, I even saw one story today wondering foolishly wondering if the Eagles were going to lose a game the rest of the season. It's like okay. Oh my god, I saw I saw that the same too. Ones, the like, slow on. down, slow what's, down, right? What's the odds on them going 17 and 0. Like, yeah. oh, that's what you're the only 4 and 0 team. I mean, somebody's going to bring that up. Look, I think that this is I I think if the Cardinals win this game, I think it's a good gauge for them. If they lose, I'm not sure what it would be. And my explanation would be if they win this game and they beat the 4 and 0 Eagles, a lot of people are going to think, "Okay, Arizona's legit. They're legit. They're a, they're a playoff team. They are a playoff team." If they lose this game, I think they're just in the in in the middle with everybody else, just trying to figure out. Like, okay, I mean, they're one of those teams that could make it. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. It all depends. And but if they win this game without Hopkins, without Prater. If they win against a really good team like Philadelphia, I think you'll hear a lot of people like, okay, Cardinals are for real. They're a playoff team. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show on this Wednesday, Cliff Kingsbury has seen wide receivers come and go in a short period as head coach. How different is it watching Andy Isabella walk out that door? The coach addressed the big move from yesterday. You'll hear what he said next on the Burns and Gambo show. 
Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. John Gambadero, Dave Burns with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Cardinals-Eagles on Sunday. Today being Wednesday, it's the day Cliff and Kyler both address the media. And for a team that's now 2-2 two and two going into this game, kind of right on that path that they need to be until they get DeAndre Hopkins back, who, by the way, was back today. I'm reading tweets from our own Tyler Drake and others who cover the team on a daily basis, Gamble. Apparently, he was in the locker room today. He's not allowed to be there for meetings and he's not allowed to practice. He's still on. But I guess he can be allowed to be in the locker room for a certain period of time or whatever. So he was there today as the Cardinals, like, like days, like one of those, one of those calendars you had as a kid, right? Counting the days down to Christmas, right? You open up a little yeah. door and there's a piece of chocolate, you know, it's like you just count down the days to get the Andre Hopkins back if you can get him back soon enough. And if you can survive until then by going three and three, then you just start to think to yourself, what can this offense do? What can it be? When it gets the Andre Hopkins back, because we've is, seen how good is it is. Two and four is two and four a death sentence, or is two and four okay? Um, two and four is it means you would have lost to the Seahawks in Seattle. It's not a death sentence. It's not okay. a death sentence. It's it's somewhere south of okay, but it's not a death sentence. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think we all would have taken three and three. Um, you know, zero oh and six or one and five is your season's over. Two and four, it's just like you better win those games that he comes back. Right, like there's no margin for error. Because two and there's four, no margin. That would that would be my thing. There's zero margin for error at two and four when he comes back. You got to come out of the gates firing. Two and four when he gets back, you have to go minimum. Minimum, likely seven and four the rest of the way to get a playoff spot. Now, maybe you get in at eight, nine. Maybe you can get in, you know, when you go six and five in your last 11 games. But just to be sure, and even then, I'm not sure nine wins is sure, but just to be sure, if nine is the target and you're two and four, you got to go seven and four the rest of the way to give yourself a chance at that right. point to get in. Yeah. And, and I don't know, I, I, it's with the schedule as tough as it gets in the back end. You know, in December and November and December, I, it might be asking too much. We'll see. Now, Cliff, um, as I mentioned, he met with the media today. He was asked a question about not having DeAndre Hopkins and how it's kind of forced him to dig a little deeper into his bag of tricks. He was asked the question of not having Hopkins has made him a better play caller. Here's what he said. My very first college coach, his saying was, it's not about the X's and the O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And you find that out quick when guys like that who are all-time greats um, are no longer uh, a part of your offense but um, I've been proud of, of the way our staff and, and um, you know our quarterback has kind of handled that this year just trying to find way, ways to win even though it's, it hadn't been, always been pretty we haven't played great on offense haven't coached great on offense but to be two and two with with some of the things we have going on I think um, it's gonna lead to some positive things down the road. I see. Even you playing that answer, it reminds me of an answer that Steve Kime gave to kind of a similar question when he was on with us earlier last week um, about uh, about hey look you know every game you try to win every game you think you can win let's be honest we all know the situation we know some players are just more important than others and yeah we are kind of in survival mode without them right now. 
Yeah, th- that's honesty, right? I mean, that's just pure honesty. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, you try to win every game. Nobody wants to lose games, but you've re- you, you you know you realize going in, and I got six games without our best player. <laughs> okay, six games without our you know arguably the best player on our team. And if we can be three and three, we'll take it. We'll take it. I mean, you know, we're, we're not trying to go seventeen and zero here. We're trying to we're trying to make the playoffs, end the season strong. Go and p- plenty of wild card teams have done well in the playoffs. They've even won Super Bowls. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, you'd like to win the division. Yeah, you'd like to you know, have all of that. Yeah, you'd like to make sure you get a home game. But the Cardinals play really well on the road. They don't play well at home. I, I, I think that it's just pure honesty to look at it that way. Like, we're just trying to get to this point and be and be in this thing and not be out of it. Of course, there was also a lot of conversation today about Andy Isabella, Cliff Kingsbury today, on how hard it was letting Isabella go. Yeah, it's terrible. I, I hate that. I mean, he, he comes in yesterday and uh, just tough conversation because you love him and what he's about and how hard he's worked and you know in the right you know situation could have been different and I think it will be for him um, but even on his way out this is the type of guy he is he tells me hey prove him wrong coach you know he's still thinking about others and encouraging me so um, I think the world of him and, and hopefully he lands in a good spot We'll see where he lands. Yeah, I just tweeted this out because I checked on this. There was zero interest because I was just trying to see was there anybody that even had lukewarm interest in Andy Isabella? Was there anybody that had just, you know what, maybe we'll give you a seventh round pick for him or just anybody with even the lukest of warm interest in Andy Isabella? There was none. There was zero interest in trading for Andy Isabella. When I mean zero, I mean zero. Like they, they couldn't get a bag of Doritos for Andy Isabella. Nobody had any interest in trading for him. Clears waivers. I think he'll sign somewhere to a practice squad like you just mentioned before, but it is fascinating to me that nobody wanted to even kick the tires on him. Yeah. Uh, you just, I heard every word you said. I'm just focusing on Lucas of Warm. That, that, that is, you said that, and I'm like, is that, that <laughs> no, I'm being dead serious because I've, I've, I've heard, I've heard lukewarm before, but I've never heard Lucas of Warm. And I, in my mind, all, all honesty, I'm trying to figure out one i think that's that's super cool way of saying that number two i have no idea if it's even close to grammatically correct not even close but i like it i really it's one of those the lucas of warm i i feel like we need I, an english teacher we uh, need somebody that was you know we need an english teacher honestly could, like I, just tweet into the show and say look can you use the lucas of warm in a, in a in a sentence does it work i feel like it might be our new hyperbole I really do. I, I feel like instead of saying hyperbole, when for years we would say hyperbole, because once you said hyperbole instead of hyperbole, I'm now wondering if Lucas of Warm is going to be, because I love it. I, I'm like, I heard that. I'm like, oh, that's great. I've never heard him say that before. Let's find out wow. if he can actually use that in a sentence. That's awesome. I love it. When, when I'm not here anymore at this radio station, yes. the, the, the grammar will go up to a hundredfold. <laughs> The, the 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 quality of sentences and structures and proper English will literally go through the roof. It will. Uh, Lucas of warmth. That's great, Gambo. Don't 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 ever change, man. That is that is seriously. I think I, I don't even I, know if it's true. I, don't I, don't know, you, I think you can not. use it. I think you can. I, I in my in my warped mind, I'm thinking that can actually be used somehow. Yeah. Uh, one more from Cliff on Isabella. All right. So they drafted three wide receivers. Uh, his first year here, Cliff's first year here, none of them remain. He was asked a question about how hard of a position it is to scout. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, a lot of that's situational. Um, I think, you know, Andy, we, we bring him in, and he's behind really Christian Kirk and, and Larry Fitzgerald where we wanted to play him, so he didn't um, probably get the time on test that, that could have really helped him. And, and then we bring in DeAndre Hopkins, and so you have those three guys. And then, um, 
you know, it's just just hard to, to get on the field. But he can definitely play in this league. He'll find a place. And, and then the other two, um, Keyshawn and Hakeem, just didn't work out for whatever reason. But uh, every every position is hard to evaluate. I think receiver particularly, you got to find a place that's able to maximize your skill set and, and um, where you, you kind of fit in. Just hearing him talk, Gambo, it reminds me of how many resources this team has thrown at the wide receiver position in the last five years. I mean, and I understand, it's a, especially in today's NFL, it's a very important position with everything being more right. pass-heavy than it is. But my goodness, have they spent a lot of their resources on trying to find the right mix at wide well, they, receivers. They should not draft guys anymore. Where did they get Hollywood Brown? They had Hollywood Brown trading a draft pick. Yeah. Where did they get Zach Ertz? They got Zach Ertz trading a draft pick. Where did they get A.J. Green? Uh, tra- uh, free agency. Where they get uh, DeAndre Hopkins trading draft picks? I mean, and just, David Johnson. Yeah, no, I know, mean, I know, I know. It's. I mean, it, this is where you know Max Williams wasn't drafted by this team. McBride was. We'll see how he does, but he's a tight end. But um, you know, for the most part, they have a lot of success when they go out and they trade for guys. Hopkins was a phenomenal trade, one of the best trades in the organization's history. Uh, Hollywood Brown is it looks like a really good trade right now. I mean, I know you gave up a first, so I get it, but that's a really good trade. He's playing great. Yeah. Um, you know, Ertz was a good trade. That's a solid trade to go get Zach Ertz. Like, so they've, they've really hit the jackpot with the trades and failed on the draft picks. When we come back, Suns are back in action tonight, and even though it's just a preseason game, there's no question we're going to be watching for two things tonight. What those two things are, we'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Sort of got, I got the Diamondbacks game on in here. Gambo's working from home today, but he's with us, and uh, I, I'm not even looking at the scoreboard. I'm just counting outs. That, that's all. <laughs> I, honest to God, I'm just... Get the 200. Let's go, Merrill. Seriously, I'm not looking at the score. I, I understand Milwaukee just tied it. I, I'm All I'm looking at are the little red dots on the score bug there on the screen on Valley Sports. And I just want as many of those little red dots that represent outs as we can. Because I'd like Merrill Kelly to get there. And he's... Let's see. It's Retail. in to the fifth now. He's got two. He's at four and two-thirds. He needs... What one, two, three more outs? Three more outs. Three more and we'll outs. Get to two hundred. That's it. It's fine. It's come on. It's fine. Come on. He's fine. Gonna, he's gonna, Lavello's going to get this one right. <laughs> Tor Lavello's going to leave him in there yeah. for one hundred and forty-five pitches. This is going to be the Edwin Jackson no hitter all over again, right? He has. I can tell you what his pitch count is right now because I'm just trying to look it up. He's got seventy-six pitches. Okay. He's fine. He, he oh, okay. Just got another out. Two outs fine. to go. He'll, all fine. right. All right. I feel good about this. He just do you pull him out. Do you pull him out once he gets there? Uh, uh, probably, yeah, probably. Maybe it's a one, I don't one know. game. I might let him. I might let him go. Try to get the win. Yeah, maybe. try to get the win. Yeah, maybe. okay. You're probably right. You're probably right. Sorry, his fourteenth uh, win. Let's go. I, I got uh, distracted by the TV in front of me. Eric is here with today's Twitter poll question of the day. It's the last day of the season. You gotta give him some love. Kind of feels like the last day of school a little bit. We'll probably talk a little Diamondbacks baseball tomorrow and look back on the season. But for now, what do you have for us for the poll question today? Eric? Well, I've got one first right now, and I've got one cooking that we're going to get back to next next segment at four thirty. This first one is. Simply, who has more all-purpose yards this Sunday, Jalen Hurts or Kyler Murray? I looked it up. So far, Jalen Hurts is by a wide margin through four games. I I think he's got Kyler by about 300 yards. But I'll say Kyler. I think Kyler has himself a game this weekend. 
I don't know if it's I'm enough to go, win. I'm going to go jail. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, okay. I'm going to go jail. And fair. It's fair. It's our audience said this It's one. a blowout yeah, so sure. far, Bernsey. I thought it was going to be closer, but Hertz is going away with a 64.7%. Murray at 35.3%. A lot of people are saying that uh, bubble screens aren't going to be working a lot this week <laughs> for, uh, for Murray's all-purpose yards. You realize the, realize the Cardinals signed Billy Price yesterday because their offensive line is all banged up? Yeah, I, I realized that. And I realized looking at the here's just because you brought it up here's here's the Cardinals injury report did not practice today Kelvin Beecham Marquise Brown Zach Ertz Max Garcia Rodney Hudson Rashard Lawrence Matt Prater who's already been ruled out Justin Pugh and Nick Vigil oh and Max Williams too of okay. those of those guys only two of them are considered rest players Ertz and Beecham everybody else didn't practice for like a legit reason now you've said many give, times give me the offensive linemen that aren't Beecham that are on that list alright uh, Max Garcia is on that list. Rodney Hudson's on that list. Justin Pugh's on that list. And then if you go down to limited, DJ Humphreys is also on that list. And so, then you've got Beecham, who just got a day off. Beecham, who just got a day off. Yeah, I'll take Hertz. That's <laughs> fair. All right, you know what? On second thought, that's probably the right answer to the question. Uh, Suns, okay, we don't uh, normally give a lot of preseason love to the Suns. There's no reason to. We're just kind of counting down the moments until the actual regular season starts. But they got a preseason game number two tonight. It's against the Lakers. It's in Las Vegas. We saw pictures last night of Devin Booker and Chris Paul and many other NBA players who were in Vegas to watch those two top prospects go at each other. Normally, we wouldn't care that much about preseason basketball, but given the shock value of what happened on Sunday against the Adelaide 36ers, I'll I'll admit to you, Gambo, and everybody listening right now, I've got a mild degree of interest in the Suns preseason game tonight just to see, one... Does the bench play better than it did in Sunday's game? And two, I really want to watch more of this Chris Paul off the ball stuff because it sounds like something they're really committed to trying so far this year. Well, yeah. Okay, let's just start with the game itself. I mean, after that upset loss to that team from Australia, I mean, I think we're all kind of looking at this game and trying to say, okay, let's let's see our Phoenix Suns. I mean, we want to see our Phoenix Suns because we know there was a lot of distractions. You've got the Jay Crowder distraction. You've got the uh, the Andre Ayton Monty distraction. You've got the Robert Sarver, um, you know, selling the team. You've got all of this thing. And plus, you got, you know, blown out by the Dallas Mavericks in Game 7. That was the last... So the last memory we had of the Suns was getting blown out in Game 7. And they play Australia, and they lose to Australia. And they... So I think we everybody just wants to just have the Suns go out there and play a good basketball game, even if it's preseason, just to kind of calm some fears that may be out there from some people, like wondering if the Suns are going to be okay this year, if they're a legitimate uh, you know, challenge to, to win it all. So yeah. I think that's the thing. We just want to kind of see because um, there are a bunch of question marks with the way the season ended, with the, the lack of really doing anything in the offseason. I don't, you know, they, they, they did not get better as a basketball team. They maybe a little different with Dario coming back and JaVale leaving, but I, I think most people would agree that they're not a better team with JaVale McGee gone and Jay Crowder not on the team. No, and that's why specifically, as it relates to the preseason, the thing I'm watching for tonight is the bench. Because if there was one, it's preseason, and I'm not overly concerned about anything that happens in the preseason, with the exception of how the bench played against Adelaide on Sunday. Because that was the concern. That was the red flag. Because you, we, And we've talked about it a lot over the last couple of weeks. You promote Cam Johnson, rightfully so. Jay Crowder wants a 
trade. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Your your bench, you know, who's your best player off the bench? Who's your first guy in? Who's your second guy in? How how much of a strength is that unit going to be this year? Because it feels like from here they have been significantly weakened, and they showed that Sunday against that Australian team. So that that's number one thing to watch for tonight. When it's if Monty does it the same way and he subs out all five at the same time and subs in all five at the same time, how does campaign play? How does Landry Shamit play? Are they better? Is it still a concern? And I think that'll be something that's a talking point. The other thing is, and this is Monty Williams yesterday, on Chris Paul playing the off-the-ball role last Sunday against that Australian team. It's just something that we feel like is going to be really good for us. Uh, He can play off the ball. He can have live ball situations, especially when we're in the penalty. That's when Chris can get you shots um, at the free throw line and it allows for us to set our defense. And um, it's just, it's, if I had to grade it right now or, or give it a level one through ten, I'd say it's at a three. Um, even though it looked decent the other day, I just think there's so many things that we're going to be able to do off of it. It's going to be really good for us. Part of it was DeAndre getting his own looks. Part of it was Mikel Bridges creating his own looks. Some of it was honestly just like swapping Chris Paul with Devin Booker on the floor, right? Having Chris Paul kind of play Devin Booker's spot and giving him some looks off the ball like that. I think the big well, there's two questions. Number one, how often will they do it during the regular season? And number two, how beneficial will it be in preserving Chris Paul so that he's got some of his best stuff left at the end of the season? We don't know the yeah. answer to that, but that's I think the question here. No, great questions, great questions, and I think it's worth it's worth trying. You got a guy. You guy will be thirty eight years old when the playoffs start next year. You don't want to wait till the playoffs start to say, "Hey, let's experiment with something." No, experiment with it now. If you sacrifice two, three, four, five games, we've learned this. The regular season doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You know, teams can win on the road in Game Seven, like the Dallas Mavericks did. Okay, um, so I'm not really worried about that. If if you are experimenting with something to see if it will work for you, then then do it. Wins and losses don't matter as much. I'm fascinated by it. He seems to be embracing it. Yep. And if they if they work on it enough, then I think when the playoffs come and you you kind of take some leverage away from some of these teams and they, okay, we're going to full court press Chris on every single time he brings the ball. He's not bringing the ball up the court all the time. It was okay, interesting. So how's that going to work? Right. So now you kind of, you, you take that away from them. That may be a secret weapon that they have. Dallas did it and New Orleans did it and they worked very, it was very successful at it. So if you have Chris off the ball, the other thing I'm, I'm, I'm curious is he, if he is off the ball, will, will he shoot the three more? And does that allow for DeAndre to kind of get more touches inside if it's Chris not, you know, if Chris is not running things, how is that going to affect DeAndre and the amount of touches he gets? Yeah, and that is also a really good question. It was funny hearing Monty compare, in some ways, Chris Paul to Peyton Manning. In a cross-sport reference, he was talking about Peyton Manning in Denver because of his kind of physical limitations with the neck and just getting older, that he was more of a check-down quarterback towards the end of his time in Denver and how they might want to, that's kind of the similar sort of vein of what they might be looking for out of Chris is just finding a different version of himself the older he gets so he can continue right. to be effective and yet you still protect him to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, he said, and, and even, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's something we've been talking about actually for a couple of years, but the only way you get better at something is actually incorporating it. So incorporate it. And if you lose some games because of it, that's fine. Look, the most important thing 
thing is you want Chris to be able to close out games because he's the, one of the best in the NBA, right, at preserving his body and making sure that at the end of basketball games that, that he can get the job done. But there's a difference between the regular season and the playoffs because come playoff time, now you got to play every other day. Like, you got to play – you go look at the amount of games they played every other day in the playoffs, you'll, you'll just be blown away. And that can wear on an older player. That can wear on that guy, you know, because all those games matter. It's a high every, – everything's at stake. All those games are important. So, you know, you, you mentally and physically and everything, you're more invested in the game, and then you don't get any real rest. And I think that's what wore Chris out. Week five of Bix Picks is underway. You can text PICK to 620-620, sign up, compete against Dan Bickley. Your chance, the grand prize 75-inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will get an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Text the word PICK to 620-620 to enter. When we come back here on Burns and Gamba, the Cardinals need kicker help. We need kicker help, especially when it comes to the guy who called the Eagles game over the weekend, one of our favorites. Jay Feely will join us next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. I'm a little disappointed in our next guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Because apparently Jay Feely took to Twitter earlier today and said, I told Steve Kime that on field goals inside 50 yards, and as long as Eno Benjamin kicks off, I'll give you a three-game guarantee. I'll be the kicker for you. He didn't take you up on that, Jay? You, didn't, you must not have sold it hard enough. You, yeah, he, he told me I was too expensive. He couldn't afford me. <laughs> I mean, that's what he tells everybody that he speaks to. <laughs> <laughs> every free every free agent <laughs> that's can't funny. afford you yeah, too but we know you we know you're too expensive that's for sure yeah but i mean yeah listen i would imagine that you could probably still go out there and hit some field goals from inside of 50 no i can make every kick inside 50 i go out there with my son and mess around once you get that 50 i can't do it and then the problem is the next week i can't walk you know, one day I'm yeah. good. You know, the, the next week I don't know about next week. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Well, sorry the Colonels didn't take you up on their offer and said they went with uh, Matt Amendola. Matt Prater's already been ruled out for this week. Jay Feely's joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Jay called the game between the Eagles and the Jags uh, on CBS over the weekend. And, uh, of course, we, we have a long-running joke with Jay. He texts us all the time during our show, and we appreciate him being one of our most loyal listeners. You, you saw you were texting us the other day about this Philly team. You saw him obviously up close and personal from having called the game. There are so many things to be impressed about with them. What singular yeah. thing impressed you the most about them, Jay? I think the, the number one thing that impresses me is that they have roster depth. I think it's the best roster top to bottom on offense and defense and special teams. You know, there's not a weakness on this roster when you, when you look through it. They've gotten so much better on the defensive side of the ball from last year, they're number one in sacks with 16, first in takeaways, first in opponent three. So your defense is first in opponent three and out, forcing almost 50% of the time. Your offense is first in least three and out. You know, and then when you look at that offensive line and how good, how big they are, first of all, right? When you got Dickerson in there, 6'6", 330, Lane Johnson, who, by the way, hasn't given up a sack since week 11 2020, He's 6'6", 325 pounds. Mylotta, when he's healthy, is 6'8", 365 pounds. I mean, they're just a big bruise. And then you have Jason Kelsey, who's still the best center in the NFL. And the diversity of the offensive pack, the ability to throw the ball, 
And, you know, they're number one on explosive plays, and they like to do it early in the first half. Uh, and then the ability, like last week, when it's rainy, it's nasty, to say, okay, we'll just run for over 200 yards against what was the number one rush defense in the NFL in Jacksonville. So they're diverse and they're talented, and it's just a really deep roster. Yeah, let, let's talk about that because the balance in that in that offense is what everybody loves, right? I mean, you've got A.J. Brown has is, is been great for them, and you've got the deep, uh, deep threat in Smith, but Miles Sanders is having a crazy great year, and then, you know, Fields can run it or throw it. It's just, it seems like on any given play, you really have no idea what they're going to do. They have what you want on offense. They have balanced attack, running the ball, and throwing the ball. And they have levels on their offensive attack and throwing the ball, right? So you have A.J. Brown, who is almost unstoppable on the slant route. And then you have Devontae Smith, who you can go deep to and throw it up. He'll go up and high point the ball as well as anybody. And then you have Dallas Goddard, who I think is maybe the best all-around tight end in the NFL, probably right after Kelsey right there. You know, People don't talk about him on that level because he's behind – Zach Hurts, but you know he can block. He can throw him screens. He's really strong with the ball in his hand, running the ball yards after catch, which you don't see from a lot of tight ends. You know, and then it, but it all starts with the, the offensive line and their ability to run the ball, their ability to pass block. You know, they can go into empty. They do it a lot. They do it more than anybody. They're really dangerous from empty, but they don't give up. They've not given up a pressure in empty this year. I think they gave up one last week because Mylotta was out. You know, that's what's special about this team. And, I love Jalen Hurts' approach. I really do. I talked about it yesterday on Twitter a little bit, but he came into our production meeting with a briefcase. I've never seen anybody do that. Maybe it's just a wow. show. I should have asked him what was in the briefcase, but it's kind of his mindset where he's businesslike. And every guy we talk to, like, what else does Jalen Hurts like to do? They're like, nothing. He just likes football. That's all he wants to do. He's not playing video games. He's not doing anything else. He doesn't care about endorsements. All he cares about is football. And for me, if I'm running an organization, that's the kind of young quarterback I want. Any idea when they decided that they drafted him late second round because Carson Wentz had always been hurt and they wanted some insurance. They wanted to have a good quarterback, you know, not a fifth-round guy. Any idea when they kind of realized that, hey, he's, he could be a franchise quarterback? Gamble, without them saying it to me, I would say it was, it's this year. It's the beginning of this year um, because they were out looking at Russell Wilson and some of these quarterbacks who were going to be available, even Deshaun Watson, you know, in this offseason. So they certainly weren't sold that, hey, Jalen Hurts is our, our guy this offseason. But I think he's proven it over time. When Wentz was the quarterback, he would go on Fridays after practice, after everybody left, and ran the, run the entire offense with some coaches on his own so he could get those reps in because he wasn't starting. And then he takes over last year, and they kind of struggle. So I, I give Nick Sirianni a lot of credit as a play caller because what did he do last year? He changed his offense. They became the number one rushing attack in the NFL. They still led the league, which I was surprised when I went back and looked last, last week. They led the league in explosive plays last year, but it was mostly running plays. Now they go and they get A.J. Brown to compliment Devontae Smith. Now they're leading the league in explosive plays, but it's through the air as well as on the ground. And, you know, I think Nick Sirianni does a really good job of balancing. They don't turn the ball over. They have an obsession with, with um, keeping, keeping the ball um, and not turning it over, not fumbling ball security, but they do hit the big plays better than anybody else. And so that's why they're so difficult, a defense to, to go or a difficult, difficult 
Jay Feely, CBS analyst, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. He called the Eagles-Jags game for CBS over the weekend. Of course, former Cardinals kicker joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. My question is specifically about Hassan Reddick, and and we've seen you know throughout the last you know, decade or so, even more in the NFL, quarterbacks on rookie level contracts allows organizations to spend big time on other positions. Everybody takes advantage of it when they're given the opportunity. The Eagles certainly have done that with AJ. Brown and Hassan, from your perspective, what's been his impact to what was already a pretty good defense before he got there? I think that's what makes him really good there. I mean, he had 12 and a half sacks for the Cardinals in 2020 and then 11 last year for the Panthers. But because they're so good inside out, right, the strength of the defense still is Fletcher Cox at defensive tackle and Hargrave at tackle. And then they add Jordan Davis to that as well. And then you got Brandon Graham on one side, you got Hassan Reddick coming off, and you got Josh Sweat as well. Like they, they're just so deep defensively that you can't focus on Hassan Reddick on the outside. They're going to create one on ones. When you go back and you look at the nine sacks they had against Washington, almost all of them were one on one. And because they're so deep all the way across that line, you can't slide protect against a certain guy to make sure that Aaron Donald doesn't beat you or make, make sure that Miles Garrett doesn't beat you. Because they have so many different guys that can get after you and get to the quarterback. That's what makes that front so special. And you watch, they'll do, they do a lot of 5 1 5, where they have five defensive linemen in there, one linebacker, that's it. And, and then nickel package in the secondary. And when they do that, they dictate to an offense. You know, and that's what the Cardinals are going to have to be able to handle. And, you know, they're going to have to understand what this defense does. Tyler Murray's going to have to get the ball quick, and he's got to be able to use his legs. To make to make this defense pay, you know, and, and it's tough because they're not going to give up the big play, and they're going to allow their they can do that because their front can get after you. They don't have to blitz to get after you and create pressure. All right, how many years you play in the league? Fourteen. Fourteen years. Did you see Eno Benjamin kick off last week? I did. I loved it. Did you Did you see Did you <laughs> see the it. hit? Did you see the hit? I know. I, I I like that. That's my. That's what I love to do. That's you know like. That was fun for me, and I just love the fact that he was the first down the field as well. How many times in your fourteen year in your fourteen year career do you think you kicked off and then made a solo tackle on the returner? I think I'm about. I had about forty in my career. That many, huh? Forty. All right, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. But that was like that was me. I wanted to go down there and hit. My wife like would beg me, "Hey, please don't do that." Like, <laughs> and for no reason. Like, we got we got to pay for weddings and stuff, you know. And, and I love going down there and hit. Like that was my fun. That's why I felt like a football player. I'm not gonna sit right. back and watch everybody else have fun. <laughs> we have forty times you made a solo tackle. That's I'm impressed. That's I'm impressed. I mean, almost all, almost all my tackles are solo tackles because they're gonna get they get through everybody else and get up to me. So. <laughs> That's true. That's uh, good it's, not like, it's not like Eno running down there in front of everybody making the tackle and no one, no one got there. Yeah, that's like right. the last line of defense. Yeah. Hey, Jay, okay, we- I got one thing that we got to get into. I know you're probably getting close to your break, but here's what here's what the Cardinals need to do against the Eagles. They need to blitz Hurts. And and I was really critical when they, when they blitzed Patrick Mahomes so much because it was just a dumb game plan. Like, Patrick's going to eat that up. But when you go back and you look at Jalen Hurts and where he struggled, it was it was in week one against the Lions. They were successful at play a lot of man, and they blitzed him. Now, where he beat them was with his legs, and he ran the ball. Because when you play man, you, you give up that space, and they're running deep routes, and there's so much room for Hurts. So, to me, you got to blitz Hurts, 
and you have Isaiah Simmons as a spy and, and allow him to just track Jalen Hurts the whole time, that's, that is the game plan that I would do if I were the Cardinals. Because you know if you give them time, they're going to they're gonna eat you up. They're going to try to run the ball on you. So as you're blitzing, you're, you're stopping the run through your, through your blitz. You know, you're, that's the focus. You stop the run first, and then you blitz. You go on and continue. You force Hurts to not be comfortable in the pocket, and then you have a guy like Isaiah Simmons who has the athleticism to stay with him, and you put a spy on him, and you try to make him beat you with his arm. Good stuff, Jay. We appreciate the time, as always. Always enjoy our conversations. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I love, I love listening to you guys. Appreciate Thanks, that, brother. Be good. Yeah, be good, man, all right? Jay Feely joining us on the Arizona Sports Line here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back, Kyler Murray understands that not every deep route is going to be there. So how does he adjust to the fact that every deep route is not going to be there? You'll hear from the Cardinals quarterback next on the Burns and Gambo Show.